I'm going to invite now three uh, special guests up here. My friend Jan Lothard, who, who runs our Just As I Am ministry, along with Dino and Eddie. And you might recognize Eddie because he was baptized here in this service uh, last week. And I'm going to have you move over here, Jan, if you can, towards the middle so everyone can see you. Come on over here. You need your paper, don't you? Here you go. Thanks, Jan. All right. Good morning. Uh, well, Pastor Eric wanted me to just talk a little bit about Just As I Am. Um, before I do that, I, I just want to say I'm really privileged to be in good company because there's so many people in this church that do ministry. Ours is just one of them. Uh, so thank you for everybody that does ministry. But Just As I Am, maybe a lot of you know, um, this is our 28th year. And um, it's been a blessing. Uh, we are church for the special needs community. Um, and I want to say thank you to this beautiful church that welcomes them every week as they come through the doors. Um, I do want to say that not every church does welcome people with special needs. Uh, so thank you, church. For doing that, and I really feel that. And by the way, my whole all the guys are in the back. So hi guys, they're all in the back. To the, and you know, they came last week to see Eddie get baptized, and um, they thought it was a rock concert in here. <laughs> and they and they want the whole team to be in my class next week, every week, to do the same thing in my class. But anyways, um, I just wanted to say that it's been a real, it's been a ride. We learn every week, we learn more and more, um, but like this week's soul shift lesson, it's sheep to shepherd. You know, I'm still a sheep, I'm still learning. Most of you people in the church know who you are, that I have mentored and, and picked your brains clean. Um, but there's that time when God will use your story, and most of you know I have a child with disabilities who's 34 now. And he uses our story to shepherd others because we're familiar with it. So I guess I just challenge you guys to do that, you know. Let him use your story and shepherd those people that are in your, your sphere. Um, and I'm not saying I'm always comfortable uh, because I'm not. Um, but what a blessing. And I do want to say that it's, it's been one of my dreams the last, um, because my class is 10 years old and above, and it's a, it's a church service, um, so we needed to meet the needs of the 10 and below. And for four years now, we've had a Just As I Am junior class, and now we have two services. Uh, we have a great team, and if anybody wants to join, please, you're welcome to do that. Uh, but now we have a Just As I Am junior, which is really incredible. Last week, um, we had a woman, a single mom with two autistic small children, who was so choked up, she was able to leave her children here, you know, just for that hour of peace, you just have no idea. So we're meeting the needs of the families in the community, we're meeting the needs of, of the staff that come every week. And Jamie's here again today, I'm so happy. Um, but the staff who, who work and care give every, every weekend and can't go to church, I feel like they can also say that they've been to church too uh, by being here. But I'll end with this. Um, last night I got an email from uh, one of the moms whose son Josh comes to our, our class. 
And uh, she's just really sweet. But she wrote, now that I'm writing, I realize I should share something that happened recently. Josh was upset and was running back and forth saying, Jesus, pray. Jesus, pray. So his staff, Julie, who's in the back, so Julie did pray with him. And he soon after that calmed down. I just thought that was so sweet and was so encouraged that he seems to be making the connection that when he's upset, he can pray. So in our class, it's the little things um, that matter. And, and like I said, as a congregation, just thank you. Thank you for being so welcoming. And, and so we're going to read the scripture for today. Right, Dino? Right. All right. All right, I'm going to hold this for you. All right, Dino's got the Bible verse for today. Get your glasses. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him, and they had done and taught. Then, because so many people will come in and Going at that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me, go by my yourselves to a kind place and get some rest. So they, went, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns that got there ahead of them. When Jesus, um, when Jesus landed and saw a loud crowd, he had compassion on them because they were... They were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they could go to the surrounding countryside and villages about us or something to eat. But he answered, you give, them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of man's wages. So we went, so we to go, are we, are we to go and, and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loads do you have, he asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all, pe- have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Give it to Dino. Taking the 
five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gives thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gives them to his disciples to eat before the people. He also divides the two fish among them all. They all act and will satisfied and the, the scriptures pick up top basket foods of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. You did it, Dito. Give me five. Give me five. All right, Eddie. Good job, Eddie. All right. Thank you. Jesus did not come to earth simply to forgive us. He came to earth to recruit us. There is implied in the call to follow Jesus a call to fish. And a call to fish is a call to take up the campaign that God has been doing long before we ever got here. It was not his intent to create a church full of passengers, and it never was. It was his intent from the very beginning that his people should learn to drive. Well, what a blessing it is to have Dino and Eddie share with us uh, this morning. Well, since... uh, Since you lost an hour of sleep last night and winter just won't go away, I thought maybe I would ask you, how do you vacation? You know, the thought might make you feel a little bit warmer and feel good. My computer screen is onto this, actually. I can look outside my window and the snow's falling, and I said, well, come on, it's March. And then my computer screen will turn into some you know, tropical destination overlooking an ocean with the sun setting and I just take a breath and, oh, I wish I could be there instead of, of here. How do you vacation? Different people vacation in different ways. I'm the kind of person that likes to do nothing. Doing nothing is everything for me when it comes to vacation. I could lay around and do nothing and it would be absolutely wonderful. Other people, they like to fill their days with activities that they normally wouldn't get, get to do in their normal routine of, of life, and, and that's okay too. Um, my wife and I vacation differently, so when we plan our vacations, we have to negotiate uh, how many activities we're gonna do and where we're gonna have some downtime. Actually, that's how we used to do it before kids. Now it just, you know, the kids run everything. We went to Disney in the fall, and I already knew that it was not going to be a restful vacation. It was a lot of fun. We did a lot of things, and I was really tired at the end of my vacation, which to me is kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, an oxymoron, but it was, it was great uh, regardless. Um, 
this idea of getting away or um, what really feeds us or what provides respite or rest or refreshing was a topic that we spoke about at our growth group on, on Wednesday night. We were reflecting on Pastor Steve's sermon. We talked about from ask to listen, that soul shift from ask to listen. And we were reflecting on the different things that we might do to get in a place where we can actually listen. You know, because there's so much noise in our lives, there's so much busyness, there's so much running uh, back and forth, to and fro, that sometimes it's just hard to think, and much less to listen to what God might be saying to us. And so we talked about that, and for me, it was definitely getting away. Getting away in some woods somewhere, I like to be out in nature. I like to hear the wind. I don't just want to feel the wind. I want to hear the wind <laughs> and the, the, the rustling of the leaves and all of that. That's what really feeds my soul. Um, I like to, to get away. And I can always use the excuse of Jesus if I really need to get away from something because that's what Jesus did. Jesus constantly in the course of his ministry got away. He would retreat to a solitary place and he would engage in prayer and reflection and meditation to feed his own soul. And I figured, well, if Jesus can do it, then you know, I should be able to do it, right? So that's what Jesus did. And in Mark chapter 6, he was about that. He was going to retreat to a solitary place. But he invited the disciples to go along with him because the disciples specifically had already been engaged in ministry. He had sent them out, um, given them orders to go out and minister to people and come back and reflect on what they had been doing. And so he invited them to retreat to a solitary place to do some reflection and to refresh themselves. The only problem is that the crowds that had been following them were not in on this plan. And they kept following them around and following them around and following them around. And so they did something that I think maybe is a little passive aggressive. They just got on a boat <laughs> and started sailing away. You know, you think the people would get the hint, you know, that they were trying to get away from the crowds. But they didn't. The scripture tells us that they ran out ahead to try to meet them, to figure out where they were going to land so that they could be ready and waiting for Jesus and the disciples once again. If I'm a disciple in this moment, I'm highly annoyed. We have been spending all this time just trying to get away from you people, and here you are again. But what's interesting is that Jesus didn't feel annoyed. Mark tells us in chapter six that Jesus looks upon the crowd and he has compassion for them, compassion for them. And it says, here's the reason, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. I'd like to rewind all the way back to the book of Numbers in chapter 27. There was this guy, many of you are familiar with this story, but some of you may not be. There was a guy named Moses who had a special calling by God. God had called Moses to liberate the Hebrew people from the hands of Pharaoh and Egypt because they were in bondage and slavery. And so Moses, in dramatic fashion, through, uh, we read through a series of chapters Moses goes and demands that his people be let go to be freed and liberated from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh um, did not want to give in that easily. 
and there were plagues and there were miracles. The, God's people escaped by the, uh, through the Red Sea as the, the waters had parted. And after they were liberated, after they were rescued out of the hands of Pharaoh, they began to wander. God had given them a promise that they would enter into a land, what they called flowing with milk and honey. It was the promised land. And they were on their way to the promised land. It only took them 40 years to get there. They wandered about to and fro in the wilderness. And in the process, they were kind of figuring out how to be God's people because their identity was a slave, were slaves before. So now they were figuring out how to be freed people and God's people. So it took them 40 years to figure out who they were and, and to make their way to the promised land. But now they're ready to cross over. They're ready to enter into that place that they've been waiting for for so long. The problem is, is that Moses, their leader, was not permitted to go with them. He had taken a life, he had spilled blood, and the consequences were that he would not enjoy the promised land with them. Moses had come to terms with this, but out of this comes a prayer, and we find this prayer in Numbers 27, verses 16 to 17. It says this, listen up. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint someone over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in so that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. We find this imagery throughout scripture. People paralleled to be sheep and God to be the shepherd. Now, in the way that we talk about sheep today, that's kind of offensive. When we talk about sheep, particularly in this political climate, we're not exactly saying nice things to one another. Let's be honest, sheep are not exactly the brightest creatures uh, in the world. And so when people are calling other people sheep, they're talking about how they may not be very bright, they may be susceptible to manipulation or fake news, they are easily swayed, easily coerced into doing something or saying something that may not be true, and they are sheep, or as the t term is coined, sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. Often throwing that name uh, around. It's not a flattering word. But this idea of being sheep, and, and we live in, a, in, in an age where we value um, self-sustainability, that we should be able to figure things out for ourselves that we should be able to think critically and think for ourselves, that we should not be subject to manipulation or to coercion. We should be able to do this thing called life on our own. So when we're calling someone a sheep, I wonder if there's a bit of hypocrisy in that for each person that would say it. Because the truth is that we all are susceptible to influence. We're all standing in need, we, in many ways, are, are sheep. 
You know, we, we value independence. Uh, we talk about independence all the time. And it's by nature. We, if, if, you, you're parented, if you're parenting a young child, you know that the whole process of development is a series of different, no, dad, I got it. <laughs> There's this impulse within, within us as human beings, like we want to do it ourselves. We don't want any help. And to accept help is some sort of form of weakness in our minds. And so I hear this, no dad, I got it. Even though as a parent, I'm there ready, waiting for something to break or something to, to go wrong. There's this impulse within us to want to do it on our own, to exercise independence and to not want or to not admit that we might actually need help. What's interesting though is that as I grew as a young adult, and this is my story, as I grew as a young adult and I began to mature, and trust me, I have a long way to go with that, but in the process of my own maturity, I needed to come to a place where I was okay needing other people. That as much as I spent so much time trying to make it on my own and make something of myself and to prove myself, I once finally came to the spot where I said, oh yeah, I guess I'm not in control. I guess I stand in need. And when it comes to our relationship with God, that is a critical, critical lesson. We need We need God in our lives. We stand in great need. In many ways, we are sheep. We are sheep. We need that guidance. We need that protection. We need that care. There's a book that I really love. It's called Prayer. It's simply called Prayer. It's written by uh, an old Norwegian theologian. His name is Ole Hallisby. This is what he says about prayer. He says, prayer and helplessness are inseparable. Only those who are helpless can truly pray. When we talk about the development of our souls, the maturity of our faith, and that's what the series is about, how our soul begins to morph and transition and, and shift into something new when Jesus gets more into the picture. That when, when Jesus... Uh, comes into our life, we are transformed, we are changed, and we've been marking what that means, those little measurements of, of a life that is transformed. And so when we think about the development and the maturity of our faith, it begins with that simple place of understanding that we stand in great need And while the world might teach us that we can stand on our own two feet, that we can figure out life on our own, that we can solve our own problems, the very opposite is true. And the people that I've known that thought they can figure everything out for themselves were in for a rude awakening. So Jesus had compassion on these sheep. Now, bear in mind, we have a whole image here And it's easy to miss. We have a whole image of a shepherd and their flock. We have a crowd of people wandering around in the middle of nowhere just so they can be close to Jesus. Does does that not give you the image of a shepherd simply leading their sheep around in, in the wilderness? 
Jesus had compassion on these sheep, but not simply because they were sheep. It was because they were sheep without a shepherd. Think about for a second what a shepherd might provide, and none of you here are shepherds, I don't think. But you could let your mind go there and and think about all the benefits that a shepherd would be able to provide for their sheep. They would provide food and nourishment and guidance to greener grass. The shepherd would provide care if there was an injury while walking on rocky terrain. There would be protection from a predator that would seek to devour that potential sheep. Think about all the benefits that a shepherd would provide to a sheep. And even though a sheep is very vulnerable and susceptible and easy, and easy prey, the sheep is okay. The sheep is all good in the care of the shepherd. But when you take out that shepherd, when the sheep are left without the shepherd, then all of those benefits of being a sheep are suddenly, suddenly become liabilities. You have guidance that then turns to confusion or straying. You have care that turns to loneliness and isolation. You have protection that suddenly becomes vulnerability. Guidance turned to confusion. Care turned to isolation. Protection that turns to vulnerability. Friends, this is a life without God. This is a life without God, without a shepherd. But God is the great shepherd. And we find this littered throughout the Bible. It's a, it's a metaphor that not only describes God's very character, but the cool thing is that in this very metaphor of describing who God is, what God's nature is, it also speaks to our relationship with God as well. Take a listen to some of these scriptures where God is described as a shepherd and the implications it has on whoever's, whoever's writing the words. Listen to this. In Genesis 48, 15, like a shepherd... God has led me all my life. Many of you know this scripture, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? Want, I shall not want. Isaiah 40, 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God is the great Shepherd. Jesus has compassion on the sheep. Yeah, because they're sheep. Because they're, but because they're specifically sheep without a shepherd. God's shepherding heart brings about this, this compassion for us uh, even when we are in our weakest state. And isn't that the power of the gospel? That even in our weakest state, even in our mess, even in our sin, in our shame, in our vulnerabilities, even when we can't make it on our own, it's okay. Because God is the great shepherd. And all of the liabilities that we might have in being a sheep are erased when we're in the care of the shepherd. 
So we have this series, Soul Shift, where we are called to move when Jesus gets into the picture and transformation begins to happen. Describes moving from being a sheep to a shepherd. In Mark chapter six, the disciples, well, if I'm a disciple, I'm looking for ways to get rid of the crowd anyways because they're just annoying me. But the disciples are problem solving because it becomes late in the hour, late in the day, they're in the middle of nowhere and the disciples go to Jesus with a plan to problem solve, to dismiss the crowd so that they can go into the towns and buy themselves something to eat because they are are hungry. And they offer this solution to Jesus, but Jesus' response was not exactly what, um, what they were thinking. He says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now this is a little bit different and almost contradictory to what we've just been reading because we've been saying that God is the great shepherd, that our reliance is on God as the great shepherd. Why would Jesus say you give them something to eat? As our faith grows, as we begin to mature, as God begins to shift our souls from one direction to the next, it involves moving from simply being a sheep and a follower to sharing in the shepherding work of God in the hearts of sheep everywhere, to share in that work. John chapter 21 Verses 15 to 17, we have uh, an interaction between Jesus and Peter. It says this, when they had finished finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. When we begin to grow in our faith and mature in in our faith, we are called upon and invited to share in the shepherding work of God. In 1 Kings chapter 22, the prophets were condemning kings for failing to act as shepherds. In the book called Soul Shift by David Drury and uh, Steve Deneff, and Steve is the the bald guy on the screen that uh, we've been showing in those clips. Here's what they say. They said, we can move beyond following the crowd as they try to follow the Savior. Jesus asks us to feed those he loves, to grow in our faith beyond milk to meat, And then, when well-fed ourselves, to begin feeding others. 
Think about for a second all those who have shepherded you. You are the beneficiary of people that have answered this very call. People who have stepped up to say, I'm going to pour myself into this person. I'm going to take the time to listen to them. I'm going to take the time to guide them. I'm going to take the time to tend to them when they're hurt and when they're afraid. I'm going to lift them up, pour myself into them, because one day they're going to be a better version of themselves simply because I've answered this call. People have answered that call just for you. Isn't that amazing and humbling? So I want to ask you, when is your time then to become that shepherd? Who is God calling you to shepherd? When I look at the people who have shepherded me and have answered this call for me, they're like spiritual giants for me. You know, they... It's like they can't do anything wrong. They're, they're just really the, up on a pedestal. And when I look at who they are and what they've been to me and how they've poured into my life, I think to myself, well, I, I don't know if I could ever be like that. I mean, look at me. Look at the stuff that I deal with. Look at my mess. <laughs> look at the things that I struggle with. Look at my deficiencies. Look at my lack of ability. Look at me. How could I ever be like that. This was the disciples' reaction when Jesus said, you go feed them. They reacted the same way. They said, are we to go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and then give it to them to eat? They knew they didn't have that kind of money. They were being sarcastic and maybe a little snippy with Jesus. So Jesus then says this, how many loaves have you? Go and see. The disciples were so concerned about what they didn't have to answer Jesus' call to shepherd. But Jesus didn't care about what they didn't have. He was only concerned about what they did have among them. And as much as we might be overwhelmed with the call to pour into someone else and to shepherd someone else, Jesus isn't concerned about that. Jesus wants you to go and see what you do have because it's that in which God uh, moves and acts and creates a powerful witness for someone else. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have right in this moment. Jan was right. We are called to shepherd simply out of our own story. You don't have to be someone that you're not. God wants to use you for who you, re- for who you are and who he's created you to be. I think of that Just As I Am ministry going on for, what'd she say, 28 years. My goodness. She's been doing this Just As I Am ministry and families upon family have been beneficiaries of this ministry. Could you imagine her never answering that call to be a shepherd for all of these people and all of these families? And I wonder then, Who might be waiting for you to answer that call? And as much as you think that you're not capable, and as much as you think that you have nothing to offer, I'm willing to bet that you do. Jesus says, go and see what you have. And it's out of that that God acts and moves in powerful ways.
Who is God calling you to shepherd? Who has God put in your pathway to pour into, to minister to, to bless, to tend to when they're injured or afraid, to protect when they're under attack, to guide so that they would have greater nourishment and growth? Who's calling you? Or who is God calling you to shepherd out of your own story? Um, Henry Nouwen, um, in the book called The Wounded Healer, think about that for a second. The Wounded Healer, he says this. The great illusion of leadership is to think that man can be led out of the desert by someone who has never been there. God specifically wants to use your story to bless someone else. Could you ever imagine that in the midst of your own pain, in the midst of your own loss, in the midst of your own struggle, and even in the midst of your own conflict and doubt, God can somehow use that to come alongside someone else who is completely lost in the darkness? It's one of the things I'm looking forward to when we launch our Celebrate Recovery ministry coming up in April. Because the whole ministry, the whole worship service, the whole encounter centers around this idea that one person can stand up and say, you know what, I'm on a journey and this is what I struggle with. And suddenly someone else at the same table could say, oh, thank you, God, that I'm not alone in this journey. God, I believe, specifically wants to use you not to wait until you've somehow manufactured a better spirit or somehow manufactured a a, a greater victory over this thing or that thing or the other thing. Not somehow that you've become a better person or a better Christian. God's saying right now, I'm calling you to shepherd the sheep now out of your own story. This is so counter to what we would imagine or conceive in our own minds. And yet, to me, that's what makes it all about God. That's what it makes it all about the great shepherd that would guide and protect and pour into all of those sheep. Who is God calling you to shepherd? You know, sometimes it's a temptation to um, create a space and create a congregation that makes it so easy for anyone to come in, to take in, to consume, and then to leave without ever making that connection or to hear that call. But this call to shepherd is, is for all of us. It's not just for a pastor. It's, it's for all of you. It is the, a soul shift for each and every one of you to pour into and to shepherd those around you. So if you would stand with me, I'd like to, to pray over you. And I'd like you to take just a minute 
uh, in quietness to consider that question, who, who might God be calling you to shepherd? Some of you uh, might think of your own children that you've called to shepherd and you maybe realize or felt that you have not been the shepherd that God intends for you to be for your own children. Some of you might be leaders or teachers or people of influence. You have people around you. Who is God calling you to shepherd? Some of you are leaders in the church or you've been in church a long time and you realize that someone could benefit from your story. Who might God be calling you to shepherd? Take a time, small time here with God to ask that question and to reflect. Holy God, we are sheep. We stand in great need, but we are not without a shepherd. We thank you for being the great shepherd, for tending to us, for protecting us, for guiding us. But Lord, we also think of those all around us who stand in need of you. So Lord, speak to us. Call us forth to share in the shepherding work to also guide, to also care, to also protect. Lord, this great work, this great calling, this invitation requires for, uh, us to put our own agendas aside and our own selves aside. Give us the strength to do that. You have set the ultimate example of what it means to pour yourself out for the sheep. Let us follow you in that task. And may so many be blessed and be benefited because we would answer that call. I pray over each person here, Lord, as they answer that call to be shepherds, to share in that work. Lord, that you would empower them. Lord, that you'd turn a story of hardship and conflict and weakness into power that would speak truth and love and grace to people that stand in need. Bless each person here in their own story that as they continue to heal, as they continue to grow and mature and conquer, Lord, that you would use them in their story to help someone else also heal, to be restored 
and to conquer. This can't be done uh, on our own strength, but only by yours. So may your power be evident in your work among us, and may you have all the glory. We pray this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, move from being a sheep into a shepherd. Bless those around you. Go in God's grace and God's peace. Amen. Amen.